Hello, I'm Pastor Phil Mentor. I'm the lead pastor of Harvest Worship Center. On behalf of myself and our congregation at Harvest Worship Center, we would like to thank you for joining us for our weekly podcast. This is a podcast of our Sunday morning celebrations that take place every week at 10.30 a.m. We would like to invite you to come and join us in person sometime. We are located at 456 4th Street in Tryon, Georgia. We now pray that you are blessed by the Word of God today. Thank you again, and we hope you will enjoy this week's message. If you would like more information about Harvest, please visit us on Facebook and Instagram or at our website at tryonhwc.com. All right. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 11. I'm going to be reading a few anchor verses out of this particular uh, chapter today, and uh, we're going to be moving forward into uh, some thoughts on what are the essential things for a prayer life, the essential things we have to have to pray, to, to get a hold of God, to contact God, get a hold of heaven. Uh, a lot of times, uh, who has ever been intimidated by prayer? Just some honesty um, in our midst today. I've been intimidated by prayer. What do I pray for? What do I, how do I pray? How do I approach God? Um, and a lot of times, if we're not careful, we, we give up before we even start. Um, because we make prayer this enormous thing. As a matter of fact, we make it a chore, do we not? At times, we make prayer a chore. Well, if I'm a good Christian, then i got to pray. That's because we don't understand what prayer is. Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is talking with God, not just talking at God, but talking with God. Now, um, how many of you do not raise your hand? You will have some trouble, and I don't feel like counseling all week, but it's a chore for you to talk to your spouse. Okay, if it's a chore to talk to your with your spouse, it's because you are approaching that the relationship's broken. Okay, but when the relationship's right, it shouldn't be a chore to talk with your spouse. Amen. Shouldn't be a chore to to talk with a. How many of you've ever had a friend and you just didn't want to talk to that friend? Why? Because the relationship's damaged. And if the relationship's damaged, you don't want to talk to that person. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Um, God says, talk to me. I'm your heavenly father. I want to communicate with you. And when you realize prayer is talking with God, not just some chore, some religious. Sometimes I think because we label it prayer, we make it this enormous thing that, it, that we don't really do it. We, we, you know, who am I to pray? In other, in other words, I remember growing up, and man, there were some prayers that I grew up around. They knew how to pray. Their prayers were beautiful. Anybody ever been around somebody that, Betty, when they prayed, you're just envious of how they pray? You're going, man, I wish I could pray like that. Well, the, the fact is, and, I, and I'm not saying that they didn't communicate with God. I'm not saying God doesn't hear pretty prayers. But I'm going to tell you, God would much rather have sincerity than some polished prayer, some polished conversation that means nothing to us. God would rather have a sincere, please help me, God, than all of the polished, uh, pomped, and and. and and prettiness that you can put into praying, okay? It doesn't matter how articulate you are with God. God understands the language of tears. Aren't you thankful for that? God understands when we don't even know how to speak and we don't even know what to say. All we know how to do is go into his presence and weep. God understands weeping. God understands laughter. Did you know that? God understands that, that we have a relationship with him. God wants to communicate. If you don't have that relationship, God wants to have that kind of relationship with you. In, in the chapter 11 of, the, of uh, the Gospel of Luke, it says this. Now, Jesus was play, praying in a certain par, uh, place, and when he had finished, uh, said to him, uh, 
when you, uh, or, you know, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, uh, when you pray, say this, okay? And then he goes into uh, the Lord's Prayer. He goes into what we have prayed a whole lot in our lifetime. You know, we're taught that a lot. Um, you know, as kids, we're taught the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is a beautiful thing, but as I shared with you last week, it is more or less, it's a method of praying. It's not necessarily pray this way. He says, pray like this. This type of prayer. In other words, he began with our Father who art in heaven. What is he saying? He's acknowledging the address. He's getting the address right. He's saying, I'm not talking to just anybody. I'm talking to the God who dwells in heaven. I I don't know about you today, but sometimes I don't need earth's advice. I need something greater than what earth can give me. I'm thankful for the friends I have, and I'm thankful I can call on them, and I can talk with them about what's going on in my life. I'm thankful for my wife that I can go to her and I can talk to her about things going on in my life, but I'm going to tell you something. Sometimes Tina don't have the answers I need. Sometimes my friends don't have the answers I need. I need something divine. I don't know about you. I need to talk to somebody that's greater. I've shared this before and I'll share it again. Garth Brooks has friends in low places. i got friends in high places. How about you? I've got a friend that loves me more. Oh my goodness, he's closer than a brother. His name is Jesus. Oh, good gracious, somebody needs to get excited about that. You get to talk to heaven. Think about that. I I, I don't want to hear what's going on in this earth. I want to, sometimes I got to hear something differently. I got to hear a different different perspective. I've got to talk to heaven. What is prayer? Prayer is communication with God. Prayer is uh, not just talking at God, but talking with God. Somebody says, oh, when you talk with God, that creeps me out. It means he's talking to you. I don't want God to talk to me. I don't know about you, but I want God to talk to me. How does God talk to me? 95% of the time he talks to me through his word, his written word. And when I open this book and I look into the scriptures, he communes through his word what he wants to say to me. You say, I've never had God do that. Then ask God to do that. Amen? Ask God to do that. Ask God to sort open your word to me. And by the way, if you're, if you're stuck over in the left-hand side of the Bible, the Old Testament, in, in some of the, 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 the uh, books of the law, you might not find what you need as much as you will in the book of Psalms and in the New Testament. If you're starting out, read, uh, read John. There's, uh, John is the apostle of love. Aren't you thankful for that? He's the apostle of love. Why? Because he was the beloved of the Lord. Not that God didn't love all his disciples, but he was the beloved of the Lord. Some say he was probably because he might have been the youngest disciple. I don't know where they exactly get that out of the Bible, but they say he was the youngest, and maybe that's the case. I do know this, God, uh, Christ loved him. And so John writes from a perspective of a son who is loved by the Father. And I'm here to tell you, some of us, we need to start reading. Look, I love that song they just sang, I am no longer a slave. Guess what? Some of us, we're still feeling like we've just been set for, God's ready for you you in 2020 to move beyond the concept of being a sinner saved by grace and being a saint and a son, (coughs) a saint and a daughter of Christ. Amen. Give me some water. Excuse me, sinuses. But God is so good to allow us to have the gift of prayer. Amen. Prayer is a wonderful gift that he has given to us. He could have looked at you and I and said, look, I'm going to appoint certain people and they're going to be the only ones I'll listen to. By the way, he did that. They were called the prophets and the priests. 
He said, those are the only ones that are going to ever hear from me and they're going to do all the praying for you. As a matter of fact, you couldn't find forgiveness on your own back in the Old Testament day. You had to go to the priest. You had to go to them and you had to buy a sacrifice and offer a sacrifice and say, here, will you sacrifice this turtle dove for me? Will you sacrifice this lamb for me or this bull for me or this goat for me? Because I've done this and the law requires this. And the priest would go and make intercession for you. But aren't you thankful this morning the Bible says that we have a high priest that is greater than any earthly priest that ever dwelt here. His name is Jesus. And the Bible says he sits at the right hand of the Father. He ever makes intercession for you and I. So when I pray in the name of Jesus and I ask in the name of Jesus, Jesus looks at the Father and says, Do you hear my son? Do you hear my daughter? Do you hear them, Father? Do you hear them calling on you? Amen. The Bible says, for we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. We have a joint inheritance with him. I have been grafted in. I have been adopted into the family of God. I'm here to tell you, if you're saved this morning, you have the ear of heaven bent towards you. Do you understand me this morning? God is listening to hear your voice this morning. God is listening to hear your prayer this morning. And that more than listening, he's ready to move in your behalf. Now, when he moves in your behalf, he will move what in, in, in a good the way a good father will, he'll give you what's best for you, not necessarily what you think's best for you. Amen? Anybody ever have God answer a prayer and it was totally opposite of the way they asked, but it was the right way? Amen. He does that for me all the time. Lord, we need to get there. Let's go this way. God says, no, we're going to take the scenic route. Well, I don't like the scenic route. Yeah, but if you don't take the scenic route, you'll never see the glory and the majesty of what I have for you. Amen? Some of us, we're wanting a quick trip to where God wants us to be in 2020, and God's saying there's no quick trip to it. You need to get out and just understand that walking with me may take you around the long way, but there's a purpose in the long way. Amen? That's for somebody here this morning. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. You are not a slave anymore. I don't know about you, but you need to wake up this morning and realize I am no longer prisoners to the things of the past. I am free by the blood of Jesus. I've been set free. I am adopted into the family of God. And I'm talking, I'm crying out, Abba, Jesus, Father in heaven, I need you. Does Jesus care about the stuff you care about? You better believe he does. As a matter of fact, he's touched by those things that you're touched by. I am so thankful. By the way, I just got a, a, a text by text by text. I don't know how many relays, but Austin was able to lift his leg up just a little bit ago. Amen. Can you really, that's all God gets? That's all God gets? Come on, church. Praise the Lord. He's a God that heals. Number two, we've got to become more thankful about what God has given us and not what we think we ought to have. A, th- a heartfelt thanks is, is always welcomed. Amen? A heartfelt thanks. How many of you have ever said, no thanks needed to somebody, but you really appreciated when they did? God loves to be thanks, uh, given, uh, loves to be a thankful heart, and loves to give thanks for what we have. Like any, like any parent. Amen? All right, we just got through Christmas. 
All right, like any parent, we would love to hear a thank you. Amen? Really? I'm the only one? I like thank yous. I like to see some appreciation in, in what I do for people. Don't you? No, I don't go expecting it, but it's nice to get it. Amen? Do you realize your God in heaven loves it when you begin to thank him? And maybe if we would spend the first time or first part of our prayer thanking God for what he's already done, there's no telling what he would do in return. Now let me ask you, how many of you, when somebody's really thankful, it makes you want to do more for them? It makes you want to bless others more. It makes you want to get out. In other words, if you help somebody and they're thankful, really genuinely thankful for it, it makes you want to help some more people, doesn't it not? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, when God sees a thankful heart in us, he wants to pour more into us. Why? Not so that we can hoard up the blessings of God, but that we might have it spilling out of us onto others. And when they look and they say, hey, what about you are so blessed, Adam. You are, well, you are so tremendously blessed. What's, what's the difference between you and me? It's not me at all. It's my heavenly father and he wants to bless you just like he's blessed me. Amen. Amen. A thankful heart. In other words, 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In other words, be thankful even when things aren't going your way. Be thankful even when you don't get what you think you deserve or you don't. Look, sometimes somebody told me once, they looked at me and they come to me and said, I want you to pray. I'm interviewing for a, a, a higher position at work and I really want this job. It would bless my family. It would it, tremendously. And then the last thing they said, and I got a little tickled, is that, that, and it also blessed the church because my ties will be better. So I think they were saying, so, you know, you really need to pray, Pastor. And so I said, look, I'm going to pray for you, and, and it really drives me. I'm going to pray for God's will to be done. I'm gonna, look, sometimes we can get what we want, and it's not what we wanted in first place. In other words, look, this is what happened. So they get back, passed by for the job. Somebody else gets hired instead of them. They're upset at, at, at God. They're upset. And they said, I just thought for sure. And they come to me about it. And they said, you know, did you pray? Yeah, I prayed. Well, it didn't happen. And, and my words to them was because God's got something else in store. If he said no, he's got a right reason to say no. Because guess what? God sees further down the road than you and I see. Amen. How many of you can tell what's going to happen when you leave this room? How many, can, how many of you know what I'm fixing to say next? Not unless you got a copy of my notes, you don't. No. Life is unpredictable, but I'm here to tell you God sees what's going to happen. Well, he knows what I'm going to say next. I hope he does because I hope he's giving it to me. He knows what I'm going to say next. He knows what you're going to do next. He knows what you're going to do when you leave this room. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen next week. He knows what's going to happen in July of this year. He knows what's going to happen by the end of this year. He knows what's going to happen. Somebody says, oh, I just don't understand what's going on in this world. What's going to happen in the Middle East? I've got news for you. It's going to happen the way God ordains it to happen. Something's going to happen happen because prophecy is going to be fulfilled and God is going to come back. Listen to me folks, Jesus is coming and you better be ready. Now, I remember as a young person thinking when my dad would preach that I'd get real nervous. I was like I want Jesus to come back but I want to live a little bit first because you know heaven's such a torturous place evidently. Anybody think that way back when I was a young person? I want, you know, yeah, I'm glad Jesus has come back just maybe after I've raised my family. 
After I've experienced a little bit of life, then Jesus can come back. I got news for you. If Jesus comes back right now, there's not one of us that will look him in the eye and say, really? You couldn't have waited till I was married or waited till I had children and we're going to look and we're going to fall on our knees and we're going to so, so thankful and we're going to embrace him because we're going to not even really care about this life anymore because it's going to be about the life that we are living in Christ Jesus. I'm here to tell you Jesus is coming. Are you ready to meet him? Are you ready? Are you prepared in your heart? I don't know. I feel God kind of shifting some things this morning. I feel like there's some folks here that aren't ready to meet Jesus. If you were to die right now, you would not go to heaven and you, and you say, well, I'm not sure. Well, I'm here to tell you the Bible says we can be assured of our salvation. We can know that we know that we know that we're going to heaven. We can be assured of that today. And if you're uncertain of that today, I'm here to tell you, you don't need to leave this place without that blessed assurance, amen, in your life. I am not selling you fire insurance. I'm selling you assurance. And there's a difference I'm not out to buy a fire insurance policy so I can escape hell. I want that blessed assurance. Don't you love that old song, blessed assurance? Jesus is mine. He's mine. He's in my life. He's staying in my life. My destination is heaven. My destination is home. First Thessalonians says, give thanks in all circumstances. Everything you face, good, bad, Amen. Thank God for what he is doing, and God will hear you. Ask for the will of God to be done in your life. 1 John uh, 5, 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, his will, he hears us. According to his will. You say, well, God's not answering my prayer. Are you praying his will be done? Are you praying his will be done? Yeah, well, his will should be to make me happy. Really? Well, I'm going to tell you something. If his will was to be your will, then we would be in a mess because guess what? Jesus' will was not to die on the cross. If you say it is, then you need to read your Bible. Go back to Gethsemane where he prayed three times, Father, let this cup pass from me. Three different prayers to the point of agony, to the point where the Bible says the sweat became as great drops of blood. He agonized with the Father, but he ended each and every time he prayed for not uh, for for uh, the cup to pass. He said, nevertheless. Aren't you thankful for that word in the New Testament? Aren't you thankful for that word in the Garden of Gethsemane? Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I'm here to tell you where was the victory over sin and death won? Ultimately, yes, finalized on the cross. I understand that but if God if Jesus had not prayed the will of the Father to be done over the will of his earthly flesh we would still be in a mess we would still be in need of a savior but I'm here to tell you in Gethsemane he prayed three times and his will submitted to the will of the Father and he went to the cross and he died for you and I that we might be set free oh pray the will of the Father and you'll see your life set free. Not my will. Not my will. Too many of us, we want our will to be done. We live in a generation where it's our way or the highway. Amen? If we don't like it, we quit. 
We don't like it, we move on. We just do it and we'll find something else. I'm here to tell you, God is looking for, God is looking for some stubborn faith in some of us. What is stubborn faith? Stubborn faith isn't holding on till I get what I want. Stubborn faith is holding on till God's will is formed out and, and, and worked out and fleshed out in my life. I want to hold on till I see the will of God. Amen? I'm here to tell you there's been a lot of time. If I had my way, we'd have already been in a new church. Let's see, I moved here in 1999 of August in December of 99. If I'd had my way. Come on, church. If I'd have had my way, We've already been in a new church instantly, quickly. But I'm here to tell you one thing. I have faith that the plan of God, and look, I didn't want a new building to have a new building. I want a new building so we can reach more souls. Do you hear what I'm saying? I don't care how polished. I don't care how pretty. We need something that we can reach this harvest. Amen. Uh, sometimes I ride by where the Lord has blessed us and given us. And you know what I see there? I see giant, I see giant uh, silos sitting there in my spirit. What are you talking about, silos? Where you store the harvest, where you store the grain. Oh, God, help us to reach the harvest this year. I want his will to be done to do that. Do you have stubborn faith? Amen. Do you have stubborn faith? The Lord's Prayer is not only uh, one place in, uh, that Jesus models this, but he models it in Gethsemane. Amen. Also in Galatians, I want you to look at this verse. This is great. Galatians 1 verse 9. Galatians 1 verse 9 says this. And so, from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Whose will? His will. His will. Some of us, we've been praying our will for too long. We need to start praying his will be done. And guess what? When we begin to line our will up with the will of God, great things will begin to happen. But when we want it our way, and we're like, the only way I'll know it's God if it happens my way, then guess what? You're going to be there a while. But when you start, in other words, how many of you, I've prayed for people to get saved and, and I've asked them, Lord, you got to do it, you got to do it, you got to do it. And the Lord used something totally different. Matter of fact, I went to college with a, with a young man. You know how he, I'll tell this story first. I have a cousin, you know where he got saved? at an ACDC concert. Mama praying, daddy praying, family praying. Oh, bring him to church that he'll get saved. That was the prayers. He went with some of his buddies to an ACDC concert. He said, all of a sudden we began to sing, I'm on a highway to hell. He said, everybody in the whole room swaying, worshiping. We're on a highway to hell. He said, and something hit me and said, that's right, boy. That's where you're headed. He gets on his knees in the midst of all the swaying and the singing and the guitars playing and the drums pounding, and he kneels between his buddies and he gives his heart to Jesus amidst the marijuana smoke that's everywhere. None of you been to a secular concert, I can tell. My friends used to buy balcony seats. Explain that. Smoke rises. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Some of y'all are just getting that. Jeez. Okay. Move on. 
But do you know people doubted his salvation experience? There's no way the Spirit of God would be caught in a place like that. Then how in the world can they read where Jesus found himself being and, 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 and say that? Because Jesus didn't want to hang out with good Christian folks. He was found amongst the sinners and the publicans and the people that nobody wanted anything to do with. He was amidst the adulterers. He was amidst those who lived a, a, an awful, vile lifestyle. And he looked at them one day when they, they said, why are you around these people? He said, look, it is not those who are well that need the physician. It is those who are sick that need the physician. And I'm here to tell you, now listen to me, that was Jesus. If you're sitting here and you're a new believer and you're saying, yep, that's right, I'm going to go win my buddies to Jesus. No, you're not. Because you're not strong enough yet. You better get in a position with God where you know your influence is stronger over them than their influence is stronger over you or you'll be trapped right back in that old way and in that old lifestyle. But I'm here to tell you who the Son has set free is free. I'm gonna preach a little bit if that's all right. It's free indeed. And God is wanting us to walk in freedom into a dark and dying world and say, come, find the way to life. Oh my goodness had another friend. He got under conviction and got saved listening to Michael Jackson, man in the mirror. Don't go thinking that's the latest praise music, no. God can't use that. Phil, I don't care what you're preaching. Well, I see where God used a harlot, a prostitute named Rahab, to hang a scarlet cord from a window. I see where God took an adulterous woman named Mary Magdalene and washed her heart clean by his forgiving power. I see where God took men that were killers and made them into the most influential men the church has ever seen by the name of Saul of Tarsus, who became Paul, uh, the, the, the evangelist, the the apostle, the preacher. What are you saying, pastor? What can God do with your life when you submit your life to the will of God and you say, not my will, but yours be done. Yours. This is what I ought to be doing. How dare the church not use me there? Not my will, but thy will be done. That's the hardest, toughest prayer you will ever pray. But I'm here to tell you, when God's will starts to work its way through you, you will look all along and wonder, why did I fight it? Amen? Some of us, we're fighting it now. We're fighting the call that God's placed on our life. Number four, we need to say what we need to say and quit beating around the bush with God. Amen? You ever had your, you ever had your kids hint about something? Now, some kids are bold. They just say, I want it. Okay? But you ever had kids hint around? Man, this is really nice. So-and-so's got one of these, Dad. You know, it really don't cost that much. Did you see how much it costs, Dad? Yeah, I have the money to buy it, but you don't. You know, just kidding. What are you saying? Listen to me, church. Why are we hinting with the one who knows anyway? Be direct with God about what you need to say. Amen? Talk to him the way you need to talk to him. Yes, that's not losing. You say, well, I, I want to respect him. 
In Jesus' time, bread was the staple. Did you know that? In other words, bread represents a lot of things in the Bible, but bread, without bread, you died. Okay, you, you, you were going to die. So bread was the staple. So when he speaks of bread in the Lord's Prayer, what is he saying? He's saying this is one of the most basic needs of your life, and God will provide it. Do you realize God will provide the basic needs in your life? You need to tell him what you need. Amen? Now, God may not need you to have the gold package, the dish, TV, or whatever they got. Come on. But God will give you bread if you ask it. How do you know that, Pastor? Because the psalmist said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging for bread. What's it? Let's break it in modern terms. He says, I've never seen the word righteous means obedient. That's one of those other holy words that we kind of disclose. I can't be righteous. Righteousness means obedience. That's what that word means. He says, I've never seen the obedient forsaken or their children or their children begging for bread. If you need something from God, ask him, and if it's a need, he will meet your needs. Amen? For he supplies all of our needs according to what? His riches and glory in who? Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. For everything is what? Yes and amen. I'm here to tell you God is ready to supply what you need. Anybody ever had to talk with anybody about needs and wants? Okay. How many of you have some wants? Come on. Oh, don't even. Come on. Every hand should be up. You want some stuff. Everybody likes stuff. How many of you have got needs? Everybody should have needs in this room. Yeah, you need air. You need a house. You need a place to live, shelter. You need food. You need clothing. You need a way to get that. I, and I'm just going to say this. If, if, if you're needing something... And God opens the door. <laughs> like one person came to me once and says, you know what? We really need extra money. I want you to pray the Lord would give me extra money and help my family. I said, well, let's pray that together because God will supply our needs. All of a sudden, he gets put on overtime. And about three weeks into the overtime, he's complaining about the overtime. He comes to me and he says, man, I hate all this overtime. I was like, well, you asked for it. No, I didn't. They just told us we had to work it. I said, no, you asked for it. No, I didn't, Pastor. I never asked for the overtime. I know what I did. No, you asked God to supply your needs. And he opened the means to do that. I think sometimes we think that God's our fairy godmother. Bling. Lord, just turn that pumpkin into a brand new truck. God says, no, but I'll give you some overtime to save a down payment and maybe be able to get you something reasonable to drive. Why? Because I don't think God wants us to make our heaven on this earth. Amen? I don't think he's against you having a good life on this earth, but I don't think he wants you to make your heaven on this earth. Amen? How many of those uh, mature folks in our church would say, you know what, the older I get, the more I have my eyes on heaven. The more I have my eyes on what's there, not here. Amen? Sister Doris's husband, Larry Gillen, um, 
It used to bother me when he would say it because we would just be doing nothing. I mean, just working here at the church. Or, and he'd look over me and he goes, you know, sometimes, Pastor, I just want to go to heaven right now. I was like, well, can we finish painting the wall? You know, they, <laughs> he, he truly had a heart sickness for heaven, homesickness. I pray in 2020 we'll develop a homesickness for heaven in this church. No, not that we're so focused on going there that we forget what we're supposed to do here, but that we are so in love with the idea of what heaven offers and what heaven will bring that we will not let one opportunity to reach someone, to share the, the truth of Jesus with someone, uh, we, we won't let it slip by us. And if we do let it slip by us, we'll run back to him and say, oh, let me tell you about someone who loves you. Let me tell you about someone who died for you. Let me tell you about heaven. By the way, pray for our military. We don't know what's happening in the next little bit. But there's trouble. There's trouble. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you. Somebody look at somebody and say, at the proper time. Casting all your cares, anxiety on him because he cares for you. Who has some anxiety in the church? Wow, all y'all on your medicine. I have some. Anybody anxious for this year a little bit? Thank you. There's a little few more hands going up. Why is it always the younger ones first? Who's a little anxious? Come on. There's, there's a little bit of anxiousness in you. Let me just share something with you. We got to take all of that and we got to cast it upon him because he cares for us. We got to take all our cares, all our worries, and we got to put it at the feet of Jesus. And look, that word cast, casting or that phrase, it means reckless abandonment. As if, how many of you walk in the room sometimes and you take your jacket off and you just throw it on the couch or you just throw it on a chair? Come on, you just cast and you don't even look. Jesus says, cast, come on everybody, cast your cares, your anxieties, just lay it at my feet and go on about your life because I got your back. I'm walking with you through this thing. You're not forsaken for one moment. You may not, listen, one of the greatest stories, and I'm gonna close here, one of the greatest stories in the Bible, and you gotta go two places to find it. You gotta go to two different accounts. You gotta go to Matthew and you gotta go to John to find it. But, but you find Jesus puts the disciples in a boat and he sends them on their way to the other side of the lake and he doesn't get in the boat with them. He says, you go, and, and, he, and he literally forcefully puts the disciples on a boat, and they start rowing to the other side while Jesus stays and dismisses the crowd because he had done a great miracle, and the crowd said, we're going to make him king right now because he fed us. So Jesus says, this isn't the time for that. You go on. I'm going to take care of the crowd. Jesus dismisses the crowd. And then all of a sudden we have the wonderful story that some of us haven't read since children's church or Sunday school where all of a sudden the Bible says out of nowhere a furious storm arises, a great wind. And all of a sudden the disciples, their boat keeps filling up with water. Now you get in a little bit of a storm, you're going to be okay, but when the boat starts to sink, you're going to get a little concerned. 
But I want to remind you something. God is not a liar. And if God says go to the other side of the lake, you're going to make it to the other side of the lake. And if you prayed one way and you're saying, God, you sent me here. You, you placed me here. And I see the destination. You see, you've got to understand the Galilee is not that big. It's a lake. I see the destination, but the Bible says they, they fought against a contrary wind. Anybody ever felt that way? You're trying to obey God, but everything contradicts. You're trying to get your family in church. Everything says stay home. You're trying to get involved. Everything says just keep your distance. You're trying your best to, to be a godly family, and, a God, and everything's fighting against it. You're, you. You ever felt that way? You're trying to make ends meet, but everything keeps blowing against you, a contrary wind. You're trying to live healthier and everything just seems to keep going down instead of getting better. The Bible says that they toiled into the night fighting against the wind. And then if you read Matthew's account, then Jesus came walking on the water. But if you flip over to John, you'll find something different. For the Bible says that he went onto a mountain alone to pray. And he saw them being toiled in the midst of the sea. And he went to them. What are you saying, Pastor? Though they could not see him, he never lost sight of them. Though the storm clouded their vision, though the waves of fear tumbled over the top of the boat, Jesus never took his eyes off them. And he's not taking his eyes off of you either. Will you stand? He saw them where they were. He sees you where you're at. He sees your life. And if you feel like you're about to go under and you sing, where's Jesus? He's nowhere to be seen. He's never taken his eyes off of you. And at the right time, oh my goodness, at the right moment, Hebrews says this, that I may boldly go before the throne of grace, obtaining grace of mercy in my hour of need. One translation of that says that I may come boldly into the presence of God's throne room, obtaining grace and mercy in the nick of time. All of a sudden, when the right moment was there, Jesus went to them. And they look up and they see Jesus walking towards them on the water. And we've got this idea that he was just walking across this glassy sea with a few waves. No, he was, he was walking up and down the waves. I want you to get a picture of that. And Michael, if you've anybody ever been on the sea in a boat when the waves got so high you couldn't see the horizon? Okay. All of a sudden, the waves got so high, his vision, the vision of him was obscured for a moment. Is that him? Who is that? It's a spirit. It's a ghost coming. It's, it's something else coming. Wait, wait, but it looks like him. But I can't really tell because the waves of fear keep telling me I'm not seeing what I'm seeing. 
The waves of doubt keep telling me that's not really Him coming to me. He's going to let me drown. He's going to let me die right out here in the middle of my trouble. I'm here to tell you all of a sudden He crests the final wave and they saw into full view who it was. And the Bible says they cried out what? For fear. And Jesus says, fear not. It is I. When He's ready, He'll come walking to you. But you better believe the winds of doubt and the waves of fear will try to obscure the vision of Him walking towards you. But you got to understand something. Jesus has never been late for any appointment. He's always right on time. Two ways I want to do this this morning. If this is hitting you, the biggest thing that will hit you is to say, stay right where you're at. Don't make a move. Don't come forward. You can just pray in your car or pray when you get home. But there's something powerful when we take a step of faith in the moment, not after it's passed. Can God move when you get in your car? Yeah. Can God bless when you get home? Yeah. But there's something powerful when I cast my cares upon Him and I walk towards Him and I say, God, I'm standing here in the midst of this storm and Lord, I see the boat filling up, but God, you put me in this boat. You sent me out on this sea and you will not allow me to perish. If that's you and this is hitting you, then I want you to make your way to this altar right now and find a place to pray. And I'm going to tell you, somebody needs to move. Several need to move because there's fear overwhelming you. There's doubt overwhelming you. There's things coming into your life and you need, come on, there's some others. You need to make your move right now and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to take a step of faith to see you come walking towards me, to see the winds and the waves uh, turn to peace. I'm ready, God, I'm ready. Come on, there's some others. You need to make a move right now. You need to make a move right now. Maybe you need salvation in your life. You're not sure you would go to heaven. I'm here to tell you right now, God can can do that right now in this church, in this service. He can, if you need to be saved, save you. If you need assurance of salvation, He can do that. You got to make that move forward. You got to make that move forward. Come on, there's some others. There's some others. Let's make our move. Let's make our move. Let's make our move. Come on, there's others. I'm telling you, some of us, we're paralyzed with fear right now. We're paralyzed with doubt right now. We're paralyzed by anxiety and fear of what's going to happen. I'm here to tell you, God's got your tomorrow, but you got to come and let Him have you. Once again, we thank you for worshiping with us today. We would love to hear from you. If you were touched in any way by today's message, please let us know. You can find out more about us and even support our ministry with an offering at tryhwc.com. Thank you again for listening and worship.